Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast. If you didn't know, Kevin Durant and Charles Barkley do not get along. Barkley is outspoken. Durant is thin-skinned. They are from completely different mindsets, completely different generations, and neither cares much for the other's personality. But their latest feud does accomplish one thing. It's a reminder of the distraction that Durant can and will provide for the Suns and for a team that isn't always cool under pressure. I think the media fixation on Durant might be a very good thing for the Suns in the long run because for all the hand-wringing about officiating and how it keeps drilling down into this team's psyche, for all the money that Monty Williams has recently donated to the league coffers, Devin Booker and Chris Paul were added again on the road Friday night in Sacramento. Now, the team was much better on Saturday in that win against the 76ers, but I am still concerned how easily those two guys get lost in the weeds and what it does to their on-court temperament. And once again, I implore Book and CP3 to partially understand that trying to fool officials into calling fouls on the opponent is not a good strategy in the long run. It embarrasses the refs. It makes them look worse than they actually are, and that's saying something. But as far as Barkley's criticisms go, this much has also become clear in Durant's absence. If the Suns embark on a lengthy postseason run, he's not going to be a bus rider, folks. He's going to be a difference maker, maybe even enough to win the respect of Generation Old School. Alright, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW that may, who make luxury affordable, who have got two great locations. You can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Kevin Durant, he's very sensitive, a great player, He's part of that generation who think he can't be criticized. He's never looked in the mirror and says, man, was that a fair criticism? We're in agreement. Today's players are a little more sensitive to criticism than your That would be an understatement. That's Charles Barkley on 60 Minutes sitting down doing an interview, and that was one of the topics that came up. Today's players, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, uh, quote, tweeted that uh, video clip that went viral and uh, basically said, uh, aren't you getting tired of this, Charles? I'll never respect the words that come out of your mouth. But um, excellent blast, by the way. Oh, well, thank you, Vinny. But it leads to the the future. And and look, the, the, the whole... The whole view of the Phoenix Suns has changed in the last month plus. You go out and get Kevin Durant, and you saw what it did to the Vegas odds initially. Mm-hmm. Even the news that, that Shams put out there that he might return on Wednesday, it's, it's, it's pro- progressing that way that he'll be back Wednesday. That caused a seismic shift in the Vegas odds for the Suns. Mm-hmm. They're now again the favorites to win the West. And Kevin Durant, at this point of his career, we went we went over this when the trade happened. He has a little bit of the black hat in a lot of people's eyes because mm-hmm. of what he did all those years ago in leaving Oklahoma City and going to Golden State. So the Suns are that team now. Devin Booker's become one of those players too. That uh, he's he's got a target on his back, mm-hmm. um, and because he's elevated to be one of you know one of the top players in the game. Uh, but he's still a lightning rod for criticism. How does this Suns team? Let's 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 just assume, which is almost impossible to do. Let's just assume they stay healthy mm-hmm. once Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton come back. But how will they be affected? How will they deal with this 
tar- they do have a target on their back. Mm-hmm. They've they've won nothing. They've accomplished mm-hmm. nothing, but they've got a target on their back. They do. How are they how are they going to deal with that? Yeah, and that's this is and we've only got a three game sample size, but in those three games, Devin Booker's shot shot usage, offensive usage skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. He went over 25 shots per game at a, a territory he's never been in his entire NBA career and there was no and his on-court demeanor was much better. I, I think without Kevin Durant, it's created a lot of stress. It's created more of those doubles at him and as Devin Booker has tried to win games by himself, he's he's run into that persecution complex that he carries that so many people share in the Valley and and I think with Devin Booker, I think all those years of not winning and all those years of disrespect and all those years of not being an all-star, they've they've burrowed under his skin deeper than we've all known because Devin Booker does a good job of shielding all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't really know all the time what he's thinking. He's very much of a hardcore, old-school, cool kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And yet when you see some of – when you see the way he, he reacts sometimes to officiating, you can tell this idea that I you are not treating me like the star that I am comes to the forefront. I, th- I think Kevin Durant on the on the basketball court takes clears that away because Devin Booker doesn't feel like it's me or nobody. And if it's me and I'm I'm trying to lift my team and these darn refs keep getting in my way, now I'm really ticked off. Now I'm not I'm saying that's how he perceives it. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant changes changes the calculus for everybody for everybody. Uh-huh. And and I, in a good way, and so I think that um, that's what I'm looking forward to the most. I'm looking forward to this basketball team feeling whole again, and, and hopefully this will take them to a better place. It's like the old saying, um, our guy JV, Jason Vesey, in production, he, he put out a tweet over the weekend. He had a great line. He said, bad refs can't take away made buckets. Now, I suppose they can. They can wipe them off the. But, sure. but but his point is is if is if you're out shooting the other team, it doesn't matter what the refs are doing because you're blowing you're blowing the team out of the water. You're blowing the opponent out of the water. Yeah. And so there's some truth to that. So I, I I think that once once Kevin Durant gets back, and like you said, the key is going to be can this team and their stars stay healthy for the duration, whatever, wherever that takes us. That's the biggest. Que- it was the biggest question in February when this trade went down. It's the biggest question now, and now mm-hmm. there's more doubters uh, of that question or, or that possibility. We do know this: Kevin Durant, if he does come back on Wednesday, he's joining a Suns team that has a cooking Devin Booker. He is playing good. Devin basketball. Cooker. Devin Cooker. Mm-hmm. The pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. Uh, over his last four, and I know three of those are losses uh, <laughs> since they've been shorthanded, but he's averaging 35 points. He's shooting 61% mm-hmm. over his last four games, so he's got it turned on again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we can see that seamless you know, usage of Kevin Durant that we saw when he first made his debut, mm-hmm. it's going to be a very good thing for the Suns. I, now, I it's agree. Not, it, it, you know, th- these... These opponents, the schedule's different. I mean, again, we have a three-game sample. Chicago, who's been a lot better since the, the Suns' visit, by the way. Uh, you know, Charlotte's not a good team. And then Dallas, maybe that, that game was inflated a little bit because all four superstars were on the court for, for both teams. But, but Dallas is not big. very good. It, yeah, it, it no, felt I know. big. It, it felt was a big Sunday in the afternoon moment. game. Yeah. I, I get it. But yeah. I think you're going to get a, a much truer test the rest of the way because of the, I agree the teams with that. that are on this but, schedule. And I also like the Suns' chances in this. And, I, and my hope is will be that all of these struggles will have helped 
Monty Williams identify, okay, these are the guys I can trust. And if this team can start playing better perimeter defense, I'll feel, I I already feel good about their chances with KD. If they stay healthy, uh, you do the math. There's, there's some series here that I think might be problematic, but there's no team they can't beat. I, I, and I can't think of a team that's going to be more dangerous in the final five minutes if games are close. So, so to me, I feel very optimistic if, if the basketball gods finally oblige this team. But there are some things. There are some elements that they need to shore up. Um, and that's really, you know, the identity of the bench, the reliability of the bench, the perimeter defense, which has really, really been spotty post Mikhail Bridges. Uh-huh. And but again, it, it's KD changes a lot of stuff. But the reli- the reliability to me is is the thing because we've seen flashes from five, six different bench guys over the last several weeks mm-hmm. and no consistency. Yeah, is TJ Warren tonight? Is he going to score twenty points or is he going to score two points or is he not going to play? That's the thing. And Chris Paul was pretty realistic about it too after Saturday night's game. The bench was phenomenal on Saturday mm-hmm. against Philadelphia, and Chris Paul talked about a couple of guys that stepped up. But yeah, yeah, they hoopers. But I think you know every game is going to be different. You know what I mean? So. When you play a game like this and you win, everybody's like, oh, it's going, you know what I mean? So I think for us, it's just trying to be uh, consistent with our energy. Yeah. I, I mean, if you look at the players that win sixth man of the year, it's because of their consistency. That mm-hmm. role coming off the bench, it's not an easy role to play in the NBA. But the guys who win it are the guys that provide a consistent effort and production off the bench that you can count on almost as you can a starter. The Suns have not had that this year. No, and Chris Paul's right. Every game's going to be different. Yeah, you never know. I mean, the, the Suns bench is like the it's like the Forrest Gump bench. You never know what you're going to get. You Lots never do. Chocolates. <clears throat> no, it's very very true. Yeah. And Saturday they were very good. I don't think. And, and talk about answering the call. I, I we I don't think we've given Bismack his due for just how studly he was Saturday. Amazing. He really and, and was. And even in the closing minutes of the game, because the, you know Philadelphia called the dogs off. You know, I thought Doc Rivers took his foot off the gas maybe a little early by NBA standards. Maybe it's because it was a back-to-back. But Bismack got to play down the stretch, too, in in quote-unquote garbage time. He was still throwing his body all over the he court, was. blocking shots. I mean, that guy's motor is nonstop. Their, their effort was profoundly different Saturday. Yes. Not profound. It was different. It was noticeably different. Yes. Desperation yeah. kick. Desperation. You can text yeah. your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Big developments potentially in the NFL as a star quarterback and former MVP has officially requested a trade. Uh-oh. Lamar Jackson has spoken. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. <laughs> I haven't seen the tweet. It's an ongoing process. Uh, I'm, I'm following it very closely, just like everybody else is here, and uh, looking forward to a resolution. I'm excited, thinking about Lamar all the time, thinking about him as our quarterback. We're building our offense around that idea, and uh, I'm just looking forward to getting back to football. I'm confident that's going to happen. That is John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. Speaking today at the mm. owners' meetings going on at the Biltmore, he said, I haven't seen the tweet. Well, we all have seen the tweet. 
Uh, a couple of tweets this morning from Lamar Jackson. You know why he hasn't seen the tweet? Because the tweet came out exactly when he was speaking at the owners' meetings. <laughs> That's funny. Think that was scheduled by any chance, Jared? Uh, a letter to my fans. I want to first thank you for all the love and support you consistently show towards me. All of you are amazing, and I appreciate you all so much. I want you all to know... Uh, not to believe everything you read about me, let me personally answer your questions. In regards to my future plan, second tweet, as of March 2nd, I requested a trade from the Ravens organization for which the Ravens have not been interested in meeting my value. Any and everyone that has met me or been around me knows I love the game of football and my dream is to help a team. Mm. So there it is. 25 days ago, requested a trade. Yeah. So it's been a while. Unless he left out a number, but it sounds like it's been almost a month long on the table that Lamar Jackson has asked for a trade from the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and so this is so he's I don't know whether he's calling their bluff. I don't know whether this is just his his final leverage play to try to get what he wants, but this is uh this can't be easy for the Baltimore Ravens because this is the kind of guy I think they want to reward, but I, I just think that it's this is just as the third rail. For NFL owners. And believe me, I'm sure this is a topic of, a topic of conversation at the Biltmore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also uh, added on Twitter, I love the game of football. My dream is to help a team win the Super Bowl. Uh, Ravens fans are great, but I have to make a business decision that was best for my family and I. No matter how far I go or where my career takes me, I'll continue to be close to my fans of Baltimore Flock Nation and uh, the entire state of Maryland. You'll see me again. So it sounds like he's absolutely done, Mm -hmm. despite what John Harbaugh said. All he thinks about is is Lamar Jackson as the the quarterback. That's, uh, you know, the plan moving forward, building the offense around him. Here's more from Harbaugh today. I don't have a, a, a gauge on that. You know, it's been oh, it's been a while. I mean, you know, it's it's going to have to be. It's just a bit, like I said, it's a unique situation. Uh, but when we get back together, you know, and I'm I'm really hopeful that that happens, and I, I'm that's what I want to see. You know, it's going to be great. It's going to be good. Uh, he also said uh, he's confident that Lamar will be back. I do. You know, you gotta you gotta plan for all the contingencies for sure. But uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty fired up about Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson is a great player. Lamar. Uh, Came back in great shape last year. He's fired up to play. Uh, that's the Lamar that I'm looking for. Looking forward to seeing. Can't wait to get back on the grass and go to work. And I'm confident that's going to happen. Now, what's transpired this offseason is the the Ravens didn't give him the long term deal. Mm-hmm. They did place the non exclusive franchise tag on him, which allows other teams to sign Jackson to offer sheets, and there would be compensation if he signed the offer sheet. Right. That hasn't happened either. No. The market's been very soft whether or not, whether you believe there's collusion going on or not, the market for him has been very soft. So he's set to earn $32.4 million on that non-exclusive franchise tag, but now you have it out there. He wants out. Uh, He sounds, you know, sounds like he's done with Baltimore. So let the speculation well, begin, Bick. Yeah, listen, so so what's going to happen here, I think, eventually is going to be because the team is going to have to meet how much he wants and and to get paid. This this turns out, if, if you look at it from a Ravens standpoint, the way they played this, it might turn out to be very, very shrewd because by putting that non-exclusive tag on Jackson, as we've said in real time, it's opened a window, a window for other teams to come in and swoop and take an MVP candidate 
caliber type quarterback. Yet none of that's happened. And to the contrary, you've heard people, oh, we're not going to be interested in him. And it, it made people think, oh, OK, we see what's going on here. So the Ravens, at the very least, could come back and go, OK, you know what, dude? Yeah, you're right. You're worth way more than thirty two million dollars a year. Why don't we do this deal here? We'll get you forty five million a year, but it's going to be seventy percent guaranteed. But you're still going to make way more than you thought you were going to do. Yeah. And you got nothing else to take. Now, at that point, does Lamar Jackson just go, OK, you know what? I'm out of here. I don't know. He might in terms of. I just won't play football. Well, did you see what happened last week, too, with the, the NFLPA put out a memo to teams? Like, don't negotiate with who's who's this Ken Francis? Yeah, guy? so there's this guy, that this business partner yes. of Lamar Jackson who suddenly um, who suddenly surfaced, and the NFL thought, okay, this is, is this how he's going to, to deal with this? And is this a sign that there are no offers? No one's calling Lamar. I don't know. Yeah, the yeah, memo read, to be clear, Mr. Jackson is not currently represented by an NFLPA certified agent. Violation of this rule may result in disapproval of any offer sheet or resulting player contract entered wow. into Mr. Jackson by the new club. I didn't know that was a thing that you had to get a pr- your agent had to get approved by the PA. Oh yeah. Huh. I mean, that's the thing in the NBA and college basketball, well, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. certified the, agents that you have to work with. Play, it's to protect players. Yeah. Well, you oh, don't want... You don't want yeah, Avi, you don't want... Hey, how you doing? Hey, hey, uh, how you doing? I got, hey, Ooh, hey, hey. Want to make a deal with you. <laughs> no, no, don't call Lamar. I got it. I got it. Make the check payable to cash. <laughs> so, right. So so Lamar is uh, Lamar is thinking, okay, I can go do the Deshaun Watson deal. I can, I can, demand, I can d- get out of here and some team is going to give me that 100% because they gave Deshaun Watson it, they're going to give it to me. Oops. That's what he thought. Yeah. And that that memo went out on the same day, by the way, that uh, Lamar Jackson, had, did you see the video he put out about that new gym yeah, thing he's got coming that out? The, uh, apparatus, yeah. the fitness apparatus. You can take it with you, the mm-hmm. gym on the move. Mm-hmm. You can work outside. It goes where you go. <laughs> and that's apparently his business deal with this Ken Francis guy. <laughs> Stop following we, me, yeah. Jim. Right, right. <laughs> trying to get away Doesn't that sound me. like a nightmare? Yeah, it's a Jim follows you. Yeah, no, that is a nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's I'm funny. running away for a reason. That's why. Right, I, I, I have to bring this up because it's something I experienced. And I walked out into the newsroom during the last break after the Lamar Jackson news had broken. Mm-hmm. And a couple of uh, employees from the news department were asking the question. Would you trade Kyler Murray for Lamar Jackson? (laughs) It's obviously complicated very much by the injury status of Kyler Murray. Yeah, and again, I don't know. That's not that's not the Ravens kind of quarterback. How so? Well, they they need a guy that's willing to put their face in the fan. Well, yeah, if they want to continue to run that offense, but. They they would not be able to run the same offense, yeah, I and guess. I think yeah. part of the reticence on Baltimore's behalf of not giving Lamar Jackson this massive contract is that he puts his face in the fan. You're damned if you do, you're is, damned if you yes, don't. Yes, yes, and that's that's football. There you go, right? <laughs> yeah, the players they make a lot of money, but right, man, yeah. They are mercenaries. Make no oh mistake my goodness. about it. Oh, my goodness. And so there there were people who said if Lamar Jackson were smart, he should show up in Arizona. He should show up at the Biltmore and just go. Bring sp- his gym with him. And bring his gym with him. Oh, when when that tweet came out and during John Harbaugh's press, everyone was looking around if Lamar was going to walk right in right then. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> WWE style. It's open for business. I want to be traded. It was funny, though. People, there were people that were there, because there's several coaches that have media availability, I guess, at the same time, and you have mm-hmm. to pick where you want to go. Yep. When the tweet went out, people were saying everyone looked at their phones, and all of a sudden, there was like a rush of people <laughs> that went to Harbaugh's. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's and Bill Belichick was like, where's everybody going? <laughs> What's going on? Don't you like me anymore? Don't you love me? I still don't like coffee. Uh, coming up next, we'll continue to talk football. We'll talk some basketball, too. Dave Pash, Cardinals play-by-play announcer, ESPN broadcaster, will join us straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. It's always a treat when we get to welcome the play-by-play voice of the Arizona Cardinals, ESPN broadcaster. You hear him everywhere doing college games. Uh, Dave Pash joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Also the host of his own podcast, the Dave Pash Podcast. Mm. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. How are we doing? Doing well. Um, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot, um, about the Cardinals offseason, and, and I don't think anybody expected them to go out and break the bank and free agency or be all that aggressive. I, I would just like to get your thoughts, though, on, on what you've seen so far uh, from the Cardinals in their offseason strategy, Dave. I think big picture, guys, it's a, it's a little bit of a reset. I think when you have a new general manager and you have a blending of you know, a new staff and then a lot of the guys from the previous staff and personnel and it's happening, you know, at a time when you have free agency starting and, and then you have the draft coming up and OTAs and new coaching staff. I mean, you're really evaluating a lot. And I, I think that's why things are a little bit on the slow side and you don't see these splash signings or moves being made. And it may take some time. Look, I, I said this on uh, Wolf's show last week. I, in the NFL, you don't rebuild anymore, especially when you have a, a quarterback that's got the resume that Kyler Murray has. It's it's not about that. I, I don't view what the Cardinals are doing as that. But I do think it's a little bit of a reset and that you're evaluating everything and that these moves are going to take time. And it may take more than just this year in terms of resetting and looking at uh, what you value. I mean, they're changing over time, how they do the draft. You know, Michael has said that. Uh, he said that on my pod. He said it, I think, with you guys as well mm-hmm. on your show. So there's just there's just a lot going on. I mean, we, we haven't had this. You know, it's, Steve is, it was the GM for a long time. Even when he wasn't the GM, he was in charge of the draft and obviously a big part of the personnel department. So this is something new for everybody, and I think it, it, we're all kind of wait and see as to – how this all plays out and how long it takes. All right, from your dealings with the new regime, do you have any feel for what this new culture is going to look like, for what it's going to be about? Look, my so far, I you know I met Monty and I met Coach uh, briefly uh, about you know a month and a half ago. Otherwise, I mean I've been basically gone. So my my contact with them has been has been limited, just simply based on my schedule. Uh, but hoping to get both guys on the podcast soon, and we'll get a little bit more information then, and as I get to know each guy. But I, I think when you bring an outside guys, and you're going to have a perspective that's different. You, you bring them from organizations that have a lot of success. Um, you know, for an extended period of time, especially with, with Monty and New England, obviously. Uh, not that there hasn't been New England influence before with the organization because you had coaches and you had Jason Light that was here for a long time and he came from New England. So I, I think it's 
My biggest takeaway is you've got guys that are hungry, energetic, and passionate about getting things right. Um, and I, I think when you, anytime you have that, you're, you, you got to feel good about the future. Dave Pasher, our guest here on the uh, Arizona Sports Line, shifting the focus to the uh, NBA, Dave. Uh, every day we talk about the Western Conference. A muddy picture gets muddier by the day. Now you got Kevin Durant coming back supposedly Wednesday, DeAndre Ayton back. How do you size up the Suns in the Western Conference and all of its uncertainty right now? Yeah, it's really interesting, and we're I'm doing the game Wednesday, so certainly hoping that Katie's playing yeah. uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, and I did last week Dallas uh, Golden State, and it was with Jeff Van Gundy, and we were talking a lot off the air and on the air about how you know it's interesting. And I had a Warriors game a couple weeks ago where he went for where Steph Curry went for fifty, and they lost to the Clippers. And the Suns are kind of in a similar situation in Dallas as well. When you're not at full strength and you're down a key guy, especially a guy for Golden State, it's Andrew Wiggins. For Dallas, it's the loss of Finney Smith in the trade. For the Suns, without Durant, it's the loss of Bridges and Cam Johnson, particularly Bridges on the defensive end. You know, when you're down that defensive stopper, you know, you can put up these incredible offensive numbers and still find it hard to win games. I think the Suns are in that that no man's land uh-huh. right now until they get Durant back. Once they get Durant back and I did the game in Dallas when KD played and it's just you know, it's such a noticeable difference when you have an all time great player there. It just makes everybody better. He's such a great teammate, He's such a hard worker. He transformed the culture, which was already pretty good, right? The, the Suns culture is excellent culture. And then you add KD to that and a guy that's going to play hard on defense, lift everybody on defense, along with his incredible offensive skill. I'm honestly not worried about the Suns. The only thing I'm worried about is if he gets hurt again. Oh, yeah. Um, because I think the I think the West is wide open. I think that, that all – you look at the top three teams, I think it's possible any of those three or all of those three could get knocked off in the first round, depending on who's playing for the teams that are at the, the bottom of the playoff standings. Totally agree with you. All right, I want to ask you about this because I don't think you can do a basketball broadcast without having both fan bases complain that you're biased towards <laughs> one team. So you know how fans operate. You know how they operate when it comes to officiating. Tell me what you think about the Suns and how and how if their, their inability to get up and over the distractions of what they perceive to be poor officiating is something that they need to correct. Because you just did this game in Dallas. And, and I heard the exchange between you and, and Jeff Van Gundy about Luca and the nonstop yapping he was doing. You see that from the Suns sometimes. Tell me your thoughts on what a basketball team needs to do and, and what they should do in terms of not letting refs kind of live in their head. You know, I, I did not see a lot of the second game because of what happened in the first game and then a lot of stuff, you know, after the game, we're talking to Mark Cuban, we're talking to, you know, people at ESPN and there's just so much, it was so odd that play that ultimately, you know, cost the Mavericks the game. If you just look at the final margin, Um, I, I think it's gotten out of hand with complaining about the officials, but I also think, you know, the league has to look at that too. The league has allowed this to go on. Uh, where players can just incessantly, and you know, we were talking about Luca. You brought him up. I mean, it's nonstop. It's it's just throughout the game. I remember when 
you know, Doc was on the Clippers and Chris Paul, that group. I mean, they, it was kind of, I felt like they were the first ones where it was really noticeable was just throughout the game. But again, if you allow that to happen and you're not calling technicals or, and I understand they don't want the officials to be headlining the show, but if you, if the officials are allowing it to happen, I understand why the players do it, why the coaches do it. I did not see a lot of that game last week, the game that Monty was talking about and you guys have talked about. Uh, the Suns games that I have done, I have not noticed it in terms of like this great discrepancy that somehow the Suns are getting hosed. Um, you know, do star players get calls? Yeah. Have star players gotten calls forever? Yeah. Um, but that's not always the case. I mean, the star players are a lot of times ones that are complaining. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, they, I mean, LeBron James, there are plenty of times LeBron James gets hammered, gets hit hard, and does not get calls. So I, I, I just think it's, a, it's an issue the league has to somehow address with the players of, hey, we're, we're not going to take the complaining anymore, and here's what we're going to do about it. Yeah, but Dave Pasch, our guest. Now, that being said, Dave, what's happening in Dallas right now, this meltdown, and now they don't have Luka tonight because he gets the technical foul suspension for, for one game. Uh, they've not been good with Luka and Kyrie Irving on the floor, and I know you've seen it up close and personal. What do you make of what's going on in Dallas right now? Kind of touched on it earlier, guys, with the, the trade of Dorian Finney-Smith. You know, you, you give up... Dinwiddie, who's a good offensive player, but you give up your defensive stopper. I mean, this guy, you saw it in the playoffs against the Suns. Um, these guys are so valuable in the NBA. Uh, we're, we are so enamored as viewers with the stars and the scoring and the offense, and we get cut up in you know NBA Twitter because of the offensive star power. But you're losing a lot on defense without those guys. Cleve is finally healthy, so... You know, from a defensive standpoint, you do have one guy, but they don't have much else uh, on defense because of the trade and guys they've lost over the last couple of years. You know, Jalen Brunson was leaving. Um, I mean, here, here's the thing if you're Dallas, what if Kyrie Irving doesn't come back? Know, and now you're, you know, now you've given up a ton to get him and now you lose a weapon on offense. I mean, what do you have as your future? I mean, they're, they're in a tough spot. At least the Suns have Kevin Durant, who overcomes a lot of that. Um, but yeah, I, if, I, if I'm a Mavs fan, I'm deeply concerned about where this team is headed. Yeah, I, I would be too. Dave, thanks so much for the time. As always, we appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. All right, fellas, take care. Thank, Thank you, Dave. Dave Pash, uh, play-by-play voice of the Cardinals, ESPN, also the host of the Dave Pash podcast, joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, we saw it in the Super Bowl. Now we've seen it with a Final Four spot on the line. An official's call has got people talking, and most of them aren't happy about it. We'll get into that next. Typically, Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. No, I wasn't given an explanation. They just didn't think there was any time left. Um, there was no call on the floor on whose ball it was, so I, I, I don't. I'm not sure what they were reviewing. Um, but I, I'm, I'm Pete. With all due respect, I, uh, two teams played their tails off. Officiating's part of the game, um, and uh, we're not going to go there. Uh, we lost the game because we didn't do enough. And 
than San Diego State did. That's Greg McDermott, the head coach of the Creighton Blue Jays after their last second loss yesterday, and it came down to a made free throw uh, by San Diego State at the end of the game. Darian Trammell makes yeah. the free throws. Uh, and a lot of people very, very upset on the whistle that was blown and the foul that was called on Ryan Nemhard of, of Creighton. It was a foul, but you get into all the nuance of officiating now, and the same thing happened in the Super Bowl on that last drive by the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, is it a penalty? Yes, but in that big spot, do you make the call that could decide the game? Those officials made the call. And San Diego State is headed to the final. I was four. stunned by it. I mean, you can slow mo it all you want, and you can circle it and go, "Look, it's obviously a foul." And yeah, you you can convince somebody. You would convince a jury that's a foul. But that game had been officiated in one certain way for most of the day, and they were allowing guys to play and bounce off each other to blow the whistle right there. Just. Quite literally blew my mind. Yeah, uh, Jay Williams of uh, ESPN Radio felt similarly to that. Was it a foul? Yes, but you swallow your whistle. You see, I, I, I don't like when refs take end-of-game scenarios and make it about the call, especially if there isn't consistency with how you're calling the game. The first thing any athlete who plays basketball recognizes, when you're in the flow of the game, like the first five to ten minutes of a game, refs typically dictate how they're calling games. So if I'm hand-checking, you in the first five minutes. Oh, you calling that? Okay, no hand checking. If I'm allowed to hand check the first five, ten minutes, don't call me on a hand checking with the last five minutes of the game. You've allowed me to do that for the full 35 minutes of the game. So for me, there have been a lot of those kind of plays throughout the course of the game, right? Guys, it's physical game, hands on the shoulders, hands on the sides. They haven't been making those calls. So then in the last play or call of the game, <laughs> when you go to make that call, why? You've been allowing us to play that way the entire game. Don't call a tic-tac foul. If the foul is egregious, I get it. Call it. But it yeah. didn't seem like a little hand on the side really hindered his motion going upward. A tic-tac foul it. sounds yeah. delicious. Oh, probably. yeah. There yeah. you go. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a perfect yeah, synopsis so do of I. it. Because you, you do have the crowd that says, hey, a foul is a foul. A penalty is a penalty. It doesn't matter when. But... Again, for 39-plus minutes, the style of officiating had been out there. The Mm -hmm. players adjusted to it, and then you make that call. It's disappointing. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And it it just... Not having a rooting interest in in the game, other than the fact that Greg McDermott, the Creighton head coach, is rumored to be a fine resident of Fountain Hills, Arizona. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, which would explain his utter class afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Only the class is Yeah, no, uh... So, t- to me, I just thought, wow, really? This is how you're going to distill down this game? This dude's going to shoot a free throw or two, and if he makes one, game's over. And it was. And that, to me, it, it was way too reminiscent of the Super Bowl where that ticky-tack holding call pretty much, you know, sealed the deal yes. for Kansas City. Yes. Uh, people don't want that, man. It, it just, it's awful. It's yucky. They're happy about it in San Diego. Um, well, check what, this what, out, dude. What, what bothers me, Bick, mm-hmm. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no worries. But the amount of examination that goes on on every detail of close endings of college basketball games is ridiculous. It takes for. Oh. Ever oh. for them to adjudicate anything. It's like yeah. they're going over this Zapruder film. It, it is, it's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then for them to be reduced to basically after the foul, you know, on the inbounds pass that Creighton tra- tried to throw, 
That takes another five minutes, and they pull out a stopwatch because the clock operator didn't start the clock in the right exactly. place. It's it's nuts. It, it, right, and so and then follow, the game's over. And you're like, okay, that is how you're ending. Yeah, in yeah. A lead eight game, really. Yeah. Goofy. It was anticlimactic. Check this out. So uh, John Walters, friend of mine, tweeted this out. If you get Miami, Florida, Atlantic in the final, those two schools are 50 miles apart. (laughs) If you get UConn, San Diego State, you couldn't find schools further apart. 2,900 miles apart. I guess if you got like a main Hawaii final. Maybe. Oh, yeah. That might be <laughs> it. Next year. That might be it. That's no the Black Big Bears. Ten championship yeah. game right. in three Bears. years. Yeah. The, the FAU, FAU Miami is not exactly North Carolina Duke, even though they're... Uh, no, yeah. not yet. It's not. Not yet. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what the television ratings look like from this point forward. If people watch because of the basketball or if people really are going to be unmoored by the lack of blue bloods. Now, UConn's a blue blood. Obviously. Yes. But the other three, this is their first Final Four, all three of them. And so it's, when you, because you start thinking about it, why is it important? Why is it important to have a North Carolina? Why is it important to have a Duke? Because it provides definition. Somebody was making this point yesterday that if you look at the NCAA tournament now, you don't, you don't even know the coaches anymore. You certainly don't know the players anymore. They're moving all over the place. The only definition you get anymore are the seedings. And the seedings were wildly inaccurate. The this highest year. seed left is a four. Right. But when we sat down with brackets, oh, okay, we got to pick a 12 seed because we know 12 seed always wins. That's how bad my bracket was this year. I picked three 12 5 upsets. None of them came through. <laughs> Everybody, came through. All the other low seeds yeah. won. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, right. you're right, though. In, in a time where you don't really know the stars. No. So it's not like you're following the stars. You sort of just identify with the brands. Mm-hmm. And well, we'll the brands that, are constantly shifting now. The games have been great, though. Mostly yeah. really good and exciting throughout the tournament. Mm-hmm. I, I you know, swore off watching even a second of it after U of A lost in the first round, and mm-hmm. I wound up drifting back to watch these games because they've been exciting. Well, and again, it's it's again the, the way Vinny feels about NBA officiating, that's the way I feel about college officiating. And, and, oh. <laughs> and watching Kansas State, that Kansas State loss, Keontae Johnson, one of their best players, got into foul trouble, and it was like he, he got issued a couple ticky-tack fouls now. He's on the bench for most of the second half, and it's like he just completely tilted the playing field mm-hmm. completely irreparably oh yeah it's got to be a better way somebody needs there's a lot of smart people out there somebody needs to design a better way to officiate basketball games you'll be doing the world a great service robots what's uh, larry scott up to I have, uh, a, I have an idea. Yeah. yeah, do you? I have an idea. Okay. okay. Listen to this. All right. You'll love this. Oh, okay. I'm already on board. Oh, boy. <laughs> In college basketball yesterday. So it comes down to the last minute of the game. Mm-hmm. If it's tied in the last minute, you shut the clock off. And then there's no fouls. It's absolute Bedlam? anarchy. So you can Thunderdome. Use any way the first team to score a basket, Thunderdome style, Holy wins cow. the game. Well, then they bring in, like, the thug line, like the goons, the big yes. guys that just block. I'm going to call it the XBA. This is a this great idea. Is this is the XBA. <laughs> Maybe they could do that in slam ball. It's coming back. It's coming back, yeah. I know the, the, the fans were clamoring for the return of slam ball, and finally they get their wish. Wait no more. Yeah. I, I think it, it, maybe there's a way to, if you could ever review more... But do it quicker, way quicker, like bang, bang, bang. 
I think the NBA, for the most part, has gotten reviews way down. There was a time when they first introduced the review system where it was clunky and it, mm-hmm. it took some time. These college reviews, man, and they look at everything. Everything gets looked at. It's mm-hmm. just, it's hard to watch. Sometimes. Takes the gas right out of the endings of games. It, it does. It really like, does. Like, I felt yeah. San Diego State's going to the Final Four for the first time, and it was the most anticlimactic celebration because they thought they had won. Then they go over to the monitors for five minutes, and then all of a sudden they just wave it off. That's done. Uh, the game's over. There might be point one seconds left. Yeah, <laughs> which you can't even do anything on. No, it, it, it was a sad state of affairs yesterday. Coming up next, we hit the nine o'clock hour. There's a lot of important issues being talked about on social studies on Bickley under, underscore Murata on Twitter. Are there really? And we're going to get to all, all of right. them. Sarah Gazelle next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.